Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone watching or listening online. This is Norwich Free Methodist Church, and um, I want to just start things off really quickly by saying that it's been a pretty big week here in our church body. Um, we had some big prayers going on recently, and we've had some answers. So I would like to call up my good friend Bruce Stone to just give us a quick update uh, for, for TV land. <clears throat> Are we having audio issues? Humming, okay. Couldn't do that one. Um, so Bruce, yeah, here is Bruce Stone, everyone. Hello for uh, people out there who don't know me. My name is Bruce Stone. I'm 65 years old. I live in Colton, New York. And uh, <laughs> Dick and Tommy Smothers had a song a number of years ago that I think describes me to a T. It was called Exciting Mediocre Fred. Well, they could say that about me, exciting, mediocre Bruce. There's nothing special about me except one thing that I think is extraordinary. And that's no brag, it's just fact. I am a child of God. Amen. You know, the scripture says in Psalm 20, uh, the 23rd Psalm, verse 4, that yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And after 65 years, uh, I've walked through quite a few uh, things that reside in the valley of the shadow of death, and I'm sure everybody here has. And I want to give you a quick, uh, I don't know what to call it, a quick lesson of what it took me 45 years of work, walking with Jesus Christ to learn. The Bible says, They, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Humor me for a second and just close your eyes. And imagine the most beautiful place you've ever seen on earth. Is it the Grand Canyon? Is it Niagara Falls? Is it the Shenandoah Valley? Is it Letchfield uh, Park? Whatever it is, imagine it. And then imagine a baby. You can imagine Graceland if you want, I won't care. Two microscopic cells from mom and dad came together and formed a person. That genetic code defined everything about that person's life. Eye color, hair color, how tall she's going to be, how smart she's going to be, uh, her ability to socialize with big folks, her ability to do everything. Then I want you to, to change paces and I want you to think of the building blocks of the universe. And I want you to think of an atom with a nucleus in the center and all the electrons whizzing around in orbits called energy shells. Then I want you to think of the solar system with the same basic pattern, with the sun at the center of the solar system and the planets spinning around in their orbits. Then I want you to think that that God who walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death and keeps us in his hands is the God who created all that with just a few words, let there be. That's the God we walk with. As you know, you can open your eyes, the most recent valley of the shadow of death, the most recent inhabitant that I've encountered as you know, is prostate cancer. And in August, just three months ago, three months and just a couple days ago, the doctor said, the tests have come back, you've got prostate cancer. The Gleason numbers are high, four plus three. It doesn't mean anything to you, so it doesn't mean me either, so I forget about it. But he said the Gleason numbers are high and the, the, of the recommended treatments for it, the top of the list was surgery, which was fine with me. And um, we, uh, we called the his office called a surgeon in Burlington and they scheduled surgery for December 11th, which is a week from Tuesday. 
and another procedure on December 5th, which is this coming Wednesday. But when he told me that you've got cancer, my first thought was, God is so good. My second thought was, I think God's going to heal me miraculously. I've got nothing to base that on. It was just a thought. So you can take it where you want. But I've been thinking so much uh, that God is going to heal me, I'm not even worried about the surgery until a couple, well, I don't know when. I don't do chronological. A few weeks ago, I got to be concerned about the surgery. Now, you've got to be careful because concern shares a border with worry. But I got concerned about the surgery, and here is my concern. Jesus, if they heal me, if you heal me, and they don't know it, they're going to take out a perfectly healthy prostate. They're going to do the, the pathology afterward. They're going to say, oops, something happened. So I've been concerned that they're going to take out a perfectly healthy prostate. And God kind of said, let me worry about that. He didn't use the word worry, but in vernacular. And so I said, okay, but I just couldn't let him. So several weeks ago, I had a chance to get a uh, blood test. And so I called Dr. Buscemi's office and said, well, do you throw a PSA in there and that? And he said, well, four. And I said, well, I don't want And they said, okay. So uh, they did a PSA. And my PSA, which is uh, something in the prostate makes that if it's high, you're in, it's an indicator you might have cancer. If it's low, it's normal. It's good in that. My, pro, my, the, my PSA dropped from 4.9 in January 2018 to 2.3 uh, in um, October, whenever I had the blood test. So I'm thinking, oh boy, this is a good sign. So I called Dr. Buscemi's office, and they said, well, maybe not, because the, the prostate medicine you're on will drop the, the PSA by 50%. This dropped 55%, good enough. And, but it usually takes a year to do that. And you've been on this Avodart for two, two and a half months. So I asked them, is this significant? And they said, well, you've got some options. You could do this, you could do that. You could either monitor it and wait, or you could go through with the surgery. So they said, why don't you call your, your doctor? So, so I wrote a letter to Dr. Peripato because it was too long to trust, to, to expect rather than trust, one of his staff to, re, to hear everything over the phone and communicate it correctly to Dr. Peripato. So I wrote him a letter. And I basically said, Doctor, here's what happened. The PSA dropped from 4.9 to 2.3. Is that significant enough that we should monitor it and uh, run the risk of me having cancer and that going throughout my body and killing me? Can I bet my life on this? Or uh, should you, is it so insignificant that Avodart probably did it and will go through with the, the uh, surgery on the 11th? He called me day before yesterday. Now, I want to stop right here and I want to go back because I don't want you to think, oh boy, this guy's got faith. Remember the people who are older, remember those acrylic balls that they used to have in the string called clackers and you'd clack them up and down and they'd go clack, 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 and then they'd go out of whack and they'd hit you on the arm and leave a tremendous bruise? Well, that's how my faith has been and as recently as last Thursday. Uh, you know, I was saying, God, do I have faith in you or am I just an ostrich? putting my head in the sand because I don't want to face an unpleasant thing. And the clackers would go, faith, ostrich, faith, ostrich, faith, ostrich. <laughs> and it was kind of slow. It would take days for it to go. It would go, faith, ostrich. And last Thursday, I was, I was feeling like an ostrich. Friday morning, Dr. Parapato called me. And to summarize as quickly as I can, he said, the reduction in the PSA level is more significant than you realize. It would be perfectly reasonable and perfectly safe 
to monitor the PSA, see what it's doing. If it's still low after five or six months, we'll do another biopsy and go from there. So that's what we opted to do. So I canceled the appointment for Wednesday and the surgery for Tuesday, and that's what we're doing. And come May, June timeframe, we're gonna find out when we have a, a biopsy, do we have a God who is healed and here's irrefutable proof, cancer, prayer, no cancer? Or am I gonna find out that I'm an ostrich? And you know what? If I find out that I'm an ostrich, God is still in control. God still loves me. His thoughts toward me are thoughts of peace and not of evil. And when we compare our problem through this valley of the shadow of death to this huge God that we can't even comprehend a little wedge of him, physicists, chemists, biologists study, get their PhD and study for years to study a little bit of wedge and understand this God who holds us in the palm of his hands. And compared to God, the problem that's in this valley of the shadow of death is insignificant. So if I find out that I'm an ostrich, you know what? I'm still walking with a powerful God through this insignificant valley of death. Now that's good news, but I want to share something with you that I think is great news. In 1950 era, Seward Hamblin wrote a song called It Is No Secret What God Can Do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. There's people here this morning that are walking through their own valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't have to be a physical problem. It could be an emotional problem. It could be <coughs> mental problems. Twenty years ago, we saw a woman who had been raped. Not from this church. I don't think anybody here, you probably don't know the woman. And I can't imagine the emotional guilt, fear, shame that's, that's tied up in that. We saw God deliver her from that. We have a huge God. And we have little itty-bitty problems. I don't mean to diminish the problems. But when they're compared to Almighty God, they're really insignificant. I know that Bev is going through with her son. Edwin, she's going through a valley. We know that Val's going through a valley. We know that Lisa's going through a valley, not physical, disappointment, doesn't make it any less hurt. Some of you here are probably going through valleys that I have no idea of. Could I just encourage you to take what it took me 45 years to learn and focus on the God who walks with us through this insignificant valley of the shadow of death instead of the problem? I don't know who here rides motorcycles, but my buddy Chuck, who teaches motorcycles, said there's a thing called target fixation. If you're driving down the road and you see a pothole, if you stare at that pothole, chances are very good you're going to hit it because you're fixing on the target. You don't fix on the target. You fix where you want to go around the pothole. Fix your eyes upon Jesus and his hugeness and his greatness. And remember that his paradigm is that he loves you, that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, that his thoughts toward you are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And that this God who created everything with just the words, let it be, can certainly solve your problem, whatever it is. Prostate cancer, it's insignificant. Whatever you're facing in that valley of the shadow of death compared to Almighty God is insignificant. 
trust him to let you walk through that. I'm not saying the process is easy. That process of trusting in God is called crucifixion. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, that not I, but Christ liveth in me. In this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Crucifixion was not corporal punishment, it was capital punishment. People died. And when we as Christians go through crucifixion, part of us dies. That part that hangs on in, in doubts and fears and all of that stuff, that part dies. And a new part with faith in Jesus Christ lives. It's not an easy process, but would you walk through it? If you're having trouble walk through it, look around. There's people here who are willing to pray with you and willing to walk through that with you. And Jesus and Holy Spirit is the one we ultimately rely upon. And this, I think, is great news. Um, one of the reasons I asked Bruce to share that, and I need to be a little loud today because we're having some audio issues, um, is because, okay, in other words, the, the Bible says this, we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Why, why did he put those two things together? I don't know. I'm not God, but I'll tell you that they're together, okay? The power of the blood of Jesus Christ, the overcoming, conquering power, and the word of our testimony, which means lives in live in community. And we've gotten to see this journey from start to middle, and here we are maybe in the middle. But I want to challenge you with something today. Um, Bruce hit me on this one. It's, uh, we're, we're all going through stuff like this, okay? Um, I want to hit you with this because I might forget it. I want to do a sermon series one day called Trending because so many times in our life, like even Bruce's story right now, let me ask you, what direction is Bruce's story head, heading in? Is it heading in healing or is it heading in death? You said it, I didn't. Sometimes in life, taking a step back and interpreting the seasons and see the way things are going will help you have the hope for the next day. Do you understand what I'm saying? Relationship isn't there, but you know what? It's getting a little bit better. And then common sense can kick in and go, you end up in the direction you're going. Right? Get it? That's that was a word for you, Bruce, maybe. Uh, but I want to say this. Yeah, everybody's going through something. Number one, let's kick into gear. Number one is this. Don't ever compare your situations. Don't do that. When you're living in community, which we're promised, you know, I mean, commanded to do. You don't look at something like prostate cancer and then look at how your, 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 your kids are acting and go, God's busy. He's got his hands full. I call this the starving kids in Africa syndrome, where you don't ask for your needs because they're starving kids in Africa. And I want to remind you this. Um, God calls himself father. And if you are anything, anywhere decent of a father or a mom, you care about all of your kids' needs, no matter big or small. They get all of you all the time, correct? You don't, you don't do this triage sort of thing. You don't do that. And God doesn't have like, oh, it's 80% of his powers over in Africa for those kids starving. There's only 20 left. Get it? I don't want to bother him. Lots of us did that, and that's religion. Throw it away. It's not God. It's not Christ Jesus. Woman at the issue of blood. Yes. Guy who'd been lame for 30-something years. Yes. Your daughter is... is, is so, yes. Do you get it? Man, it says what he healed all. So I want to do this. I want to tell you about my week. Don't compare my week to yours. I'm just going to purge. This is... Um, I'm just going to tell you my journey. And some people have said in the past, you know, uh, or I've gotten criticism that like, well, one person said it's all about me up here. But I'm going to share my struggles with you so you can learn. Okay, <laughs> that's all. I don't need you to hear my issues, all right? I'm not, I'm not laying on the couch. I have people for that in my life, okay? <laughs> but I'm gonna share you my struggles. Please show me the next picture. This is an overhead view of my land, or quote unquote, part of it. 
I'm not giving you my address, you lunatics, but this in here, okay, that right there is where we live. It's a garage, an outbuilding, whatever. Surrounded by 185 acres, 72, Old Poston Parishville Road. If you look down on the bottom of the page, it's where I got my spike horn this year. If you look over to the top left, that's where I got my six point last year. Um, if you look at that body of work, that's where I've written a lot of the messages you hear out in the woods. That's where I've talked with God. That's where I've yelled at God. That's where I cried when Grandma died. I hit my knees and God comforted me. I mean, these, I know every inch of these woods. I'd say like the back of my hand, but better because I don't stare at the back of my hand every day. When life gets too much, I just take a walk. I bought a four-wheeler so I could get out there. Um, I've used this property to, to help folks storing things, right? Because we have a big store, store it, store, right? I, I've used this property for all sorts of different things. It's been a wicked blessing for me. And, and I don't know about you, like y'all like to entertain people and all that. I don't. <laughs> I need a sanctuary where I can come pour into whatever I'm doing here or other people or at the hospital or whatever. But I need to be, go back to a place where God fills me up. And that's the woods. It's where, it's where Bill and I have laughed our butts off over dumb things when we're building a deck, Right? Listening to Eric Church on repeat. So <laughs> I've learned so much about the woods in life. And, and this is where Isabella came home to and all that. Well, guess what? That property got sold to a logger last week. And they're, gonna, they're tearing it down. Yeah, I know. That's exactly. It was Tuesday. We're getting ready to go for Thanksgiving to uh, my in-laws. And I see a dude walking around the edge of my property. So I strap the pistol on my side and I go out there to have a conversation with him about that. You don't live where I live and just wave at people walking on your property, get it? I wasn't going to shoot the guy, but you know, I walked out there. Y'all understand, you North Country people. And I said, how we doing? I said, you kind of look like a bear because he had a black jacket on, not very smart. Oh, hey, we're just surveying for so-and-so logging. And I, my heart just went into my foot. Now, I know the land had been for sale for a decade or so, but the dude was charging an astronomical price and... um speculation, because i got to be real careful of the things I say up here. I was always under the understanding that uh, he was not to sell it, break it up, and he was not to sell it to a logger. I was always under that understanding from his own mouth that that was the stipulation for him receiving the land. So, But then all of a sudden something changed, and boom. As we're packing, I'm eating my corned beef hash, and there, there's the dude. And so i got to go off to Syracuse and realize I might come home to no woods. I don't know. And the, so I go out there, and again, it was real nice, but I was like, what's the deal? And I said, so when's he going to start? And he's like, now, now. And I was like, the surveyor. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, he asked, look, that's the way it goes. I mean, and I'm like, man, this stinks. I was like, I don't want to hear chainsaws all summer. He goes, summer? This will probably take three weeks. I was like, oh, my God. I wanted to, like, faint, pass out, cuss, shoot, stuff. You know, other things you don't want to do as, as a person who wants to be a nice one. But um, so, yeah, this is that. Um, this is my crossroads and it's not prostate cancer and it's not breast cancer and all that, but it's still a disappointment and a hurt. Okay. It, it breaks my heart to see these things go because that was supposed to be Alex and Izzy's land. Alex and I've picked the tree stand this year for the first time, but, but walked around the woods with me and learned about the different types of trees. And all. this is the first father son time. That tree is already cut down. I drove by in 72. That entire place that we discovered is gone. And it's, I know, I know, I know, but my point is this, is like, it, 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 it's the negative report, it's, the, it's the, this. And so, so when facing in certain situations, we hit a crossroads, but don't think four-way. Because here's what I realized yesterday writing this. It's not four-way crossroads, it's like a hundred-way crossroads. Because over the left, we look at chaos, and we see that the world stinks and it's on fire. There's no rhyme or reason for anything. We're lambs to the slaughter. That's what that line of thinking goes to. 
And then you look the other way and, oh, ba- people are basically good. Things sometimes work out. And it's like, well, that's no comfort either. Like, are we just floating along on a breeze like I quoted Forrest Gump's mom just then, right? And I'm like, but what's the truth here? Because th- things, I'm disappointed. And hope deferred can make a heart sick, says the Bible. It actually says it does make a heart sick. So let's look at, look at, let's look at something that flies in the face of how I feel right now, or any of you. It's a familiar passage from the book of Romans. And it says this, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And we've touched on this a ton. And, and maybe, but, 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 so I'm not going to head in the direction you think I'm going to head in. I'm going to say this. But for me this week, and maybe Bruce in the past, or your situation, I'm really struggling to believe and hang on to this. You know, I mean, do I hang on to it? Because in times, it doesn't look good. You know what I mean, though? Really. And, and, and he, the clackers thing is perfect, you guys. The up and down, the yo-yo. Remember Yo-Yo Man? Was it Tommy Smothers? Man, I'm old, right? The up and down, the up and down, the up and down. And, and I see, I, okay, I'm just going to go, okay? Because I don't want to keep you here. Packers play at one. It's like how, how Peter was always high and low, high and low, high and low. And I can see that in the past in my life, God has stopped me from the mountaintops as much in the valleys. And he, he's leveled me out because I don't see Jesus being super high and super low, super high and super low. Do you? I see a confidence in this that I have yet to be able to muster in every situation. So what do I do with this? Again, there, there, I'm at this crossroads. What do I do? Now, I'm not going to be like everybody else. And this message is, I, I am not going to pull off the, the, the gas on this message. And people are going to get mad. I'm not going to be like everybody else in this world, driving around at 56 right now, who don't know, don't know Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to grasp for control. I'm not going to read into everything and try to find meaning. I'm not going to go look to a horoscope to tell me what tomorrow's going to bring. I'm not going to do that. I'm not. We all end up here frequently, and I understand this, guys. For this message, I can rationalize, I can relate, I can psychoanalyze, but there's got to be some sort of anchor, doesn't there? When we're facing this, and I look around the room, and especially when, num- when, when we're low like this, I know all y'all's stories, I know, but isn't there an anchor we can hold on to? And I'm not just going to say, God, and let's go home. I'm going to walk you through this a little bit with me, and I'm going to come from a really, really odd place on this. I'll wrap up the story. It actually does go a little better than just leaving you there. I'm going to take you to a weird spot in just a second for for, what's our anchor here. Before we do this, I want to define a word for you, and I want to define the word glory. It's one of those words that, oh, the church has so used that I feel like it's lost its meaning. So let's bring it back to earth because I want to show you something cool. Glory. Michael Jordan. What does Michael Jordan get glory for? What is he known for? What would you say? Basketball, there you go. Right, that's, what, that's where his glory comes from. Not the baseball years, not the whatever it may be. Tiger Woods, right? Of all the good and bad, it's golf. And so when you say the word glory, you can almost say this. What are you famous for, correct? The, yes, guys? Do you follow me? You got it, because I'm going to show you something. The, the, the Romans would go off in search of glory, right? Glory, strength, and honor. And they would want to do something that would bring them glory. In other words, I am the guy who... Do you understand that? So glory, lifting up our hands and singing holy. It's saying, what are you famous for, Father God? What are you known for? You know what I'm saying? So let's, let's check this out. I'm going to put this. I had, I had to do that. All the way back in Exodus, I found a little gem. Moses. Wasn't Moses called God's friend? Wasn't that, wasn't that his nickname? Somebody? Okay. So Moses, God's pal, says this. Now show me your glory. Now, what do you think he was asking for? Because maybe you think a bright yellow light. He didn't say splendor. He didn't say power. He said glory. Do you follow what I'm saying? 
we're going to find our anchor today, guys. It's buried. It's buried under a little bit of stuff. We've got to excavate it. Show me what you're famous. Show me what you're known for, Father God. Elohim, show me your glory. And what does God do? He causes all his goodness to pass in front of him. I'll proclaim my, in the midst of my goodness, I proclaim my name, mercy and compassion. Now, lots of us come from systems where, show me your glory, okay. <laughs> There's my glory right there. I can, yeah, I can see by your faces. Already? <laughs> There's my glory. Already? Geyser. <laughs> Water. My glory. He didn't say. His glory was actually his goodness. I'll call my goodness to pass in front of you. So, so, so maybe we need to take Odin and Thor out of our theology here and realize that Moses says, show me what you're known for. Show me you, your essence. And he says, I'll cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And this is not the book of James. This is not Jesus. This is Father God who says, my essence, what I should be known for in your life, watch this, my goodness. And related to that will be my mercy and compassion. Is that not awesome? Remember when I did Big Gangry God? Or, yeah, something, remember in the, in the summer? I should have included this, but I just found it. So, you know, there's that. Show me your glory. My, I'm famous and known for it. What I want to be known for is this. My goodness. And there's our anchor. Through the cancer threat, threat whatever it may be, the long trial, what loss. If you look left, there's suffering, trial, you know, loss. Look right. There's a mistake on the chart. Everything's fine and, and, and everything will be good and, and circumstances change. But for the Christ follower, for the one who's God's kid, God's responsibility, there's this. God is good and he works all things good for me in my life because I'm his kid. And I said something in there that got me. If I'm God's kid, I'm God's responsibility. When Bruce was talking, I heard a cry. I looked over and I mouthed to, to Brittany, our coordinator, and I said, is he? And she goes, no. Because if it was Izzy, guess whose responsibility it is to take care of her? One of you get it. Okay, cool. Amidst a cancer threat, amidst my hopes and dreams in those tree stands, amidst that, amidst a diagnosis that you don't get enough, uh, amidst the surgery coming along, whose job is it to take care of you? He might recruit a doctor. He might re recruit people in this room. And Honestly, that's one of the reasons we all should be attending a place where we can be a body of believers because he does often recruit each other. We're God's hands and feet. But ultimately, who's responsible for you? If you've, if you've been born into the kingdom of God, your dad, man. Your dad, he's responsible for you. So I'll continue to use this thing with prostate cancer, which especially for men, that's the last darn thing we want to talk about. Really, it is. It's like up there with, you know what I mean? The one I don't want to. Who's responsible for that? For him, for his boy. God is. And, and, and the cool part about this is, and somebody said that this week, and I'm thank you, God, for my memory, because I don't know where this stuff comes from, but I'm so glad I learned about God's goodness before I learned about his power. Yeah, I mean, think about it for a while. <laughs> That's good, right? We always have to go back to that, guys. Um, I constructed worship. I set you up. If you actually walk out our set list, which, of course, I won't remember now, but open the eyes of my heart, which get, help me ready for what you're about to do. Who am I? No. Forever you're faithful. Who am I? And then unstoppable God. You guys just sang a story, and I don't know if you realize that. Good. Cool. And he picked one of the songs, too, so we worked on that together. Good thing we talk about his faithfulness and who we are 
And then the unstoppable God shakes the mountain, right? But he causes his goodness to go first. So moving on here, I want to say this. Outcome is not the focus of our trials. The process is. And this is a part that's unpopular and why we have some empty seats in church in America nowadays. Because outcome is not, not the focus of our trials. The process is. I may not get the land. It may be a desolate wasteland. Sell it off, parcel it off, and I may, ha I may have a neighbor right next to me, which would be an awful thing, of course. It, it, right, honestly. And it might go round and round. But that's not the life of the believer, to, to sit there and play these strategies and all this sort of stuff. Um, the person that God, I believe, wants me to become simply stares at God and walk through the process trusting as best I can his nature and intention. Do you know trust is something you learn? Y'all know it's something that can be broken, and then you have to relearn it. Do you follow me? So learning to trust God can only be done when the negative seems plausible. Okay. When the odds are stacked against you is where you learn to trust God. It's the only way you can. It's resistance when we're lifting weights. Biceps don't get any bigger if they don't get stretched beyond what they can do. Do you understand? And the walk with God are being conformed to the image of Christ Jesus. You can choose. Right on line. Ready? Lots of people will choose not to do this, and I'm not your dad. I don't care. You, I mean, I care. I'm supposed to care. But I, I'm not responsible for you is what I'm saying. When the trials come, here's what I've got to do. Now that I see that this hardship is here and I'm facing hardship, I have to tr now is the time to have an opportunity to grow the trust. In the good times, no trust required. When the bank account, when, when the bills are good, when, 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 when the pregnancy test gives you the positive thing, and when you're staring at that sonogram or whatever it is, at that moment, there's no, you don't need to trust. There's no capacity for trust. It's only when those hard times come. And nobody's coming at you, dude. I'm just giving you an option. Get it? And I'm also building something here because we started with the fact that God is good, right? I ha okay, number one, God is good. Number two, I want to say this. Um, there's another thing that tries to thrust me away from what I know is true in this life. God is good and will work things for my good. Now, here's what I do. But, 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 right? And I start to spin things out. Yeah, but... But me, but you get it? I can say God's good. But the minute I, I realize God is working things for good, the minute things don't look good, I start to rationalize it. Well, maybe it's because of this situation in my life. Or maybe it's because of that person who he broke his word, Father. He did something he wasn't supposed to do, right? He's making bad decisions. Can that still mean good? I start to rationalize. And so here's what I did do. I'm going to finish up my story and get us, get us out of here. I stopped. And can I, rec can I recommend to you we can imitate our God who never really seems to be in too much of a hurry, okay, right? I stopped because I tell you what, I'm an aggressive sort of guy. I wanted to make phone calls. I wanted to make things happen. I wanted to get a finger on, are things going to be okay? Are things going to be okay? Does anyone know this guy? Hey, do you know this guy? Put in a good word for me, right? Hey, can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? I want to bug him all the time. I want to do all these different things and take the power to see if it's going to work out for my good. Instead, I just stopped and I called Petey, you know, one of my, my lifelong friend and advisor. And, um, well, one day, one day all of a sudden, um, I see people marking the trees right near my property. So now, now not only are they, I know, <laughs> Donna goes, Ugh! now not only are they going to cut the land down, but they're cutting trees literally on the other side of my property. And the problem was the guy had said he was going to give me a little bit of a buffer and not cut right there, but then 
the evidence is there. Bill, they're spray painting trees right there. I mean, I could hit them with a snowball. I'm staring out the window. And I haven't seen a person on my property in five years. And I could, all of a sudden, it's all going to be. So I was tempted to start. And again, ready? Stop. You want to know what you do when you can't see what God's next step for you is? You control you until the next step arrives. That's it. It's good, right? Yeah, I think so. My job at that point was to control me until God shows me the next step. Bruce, always have to, right? Doctor's reports. It's like, well, I mean, I've got to wait six days for results, right? You know what your job is? Don't control. Don't research. Don't, don't grab the wheel. Control you. Control you. Stare at God and control you until the next step arrives. There were thoughts of do, trying to do this, trying to do that. They put in a good word for me. That's very Joseph and the cupbearer, if any of you know that, uh, that story. Control me until God reveals the next step. Well, to finish my story, I'm going to say this. All of a sudden, I got a phone call Friday at about 2.30, and it was him. It was the, 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 the boss of the law, the guy who owns the logging. The guy who had called and had been ignored. And all of a sudden, he's, hey, yeah, I'm down at the corner of your property near a boat. <laughs> and he says, <laughs> they're like, ah, oh, we know that boat. <laughs> we're down, down near a boat. Um, you said you wanted to talk about what we're going to do with this land. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, uh, um, I got a six-year-old and a three-year-old. Alex's birthday was Wednesday. I got a six-year-old and a three-year-old. I said, can, are you going to be around at 345 and I can come down? He's like, no, nah, I'll be gone by then. I just, I said, okay, hold up. We'll be right there. The next step had arrived. It wasn't convenient. So I turned to my kids. Y'all, don't judge me for a second. And you can do this as a dad. Really convincing that I would hurt them. And I said, you be good. We're going to go down there. And daddy's going to talk to these men. <laughs> you'll be good. <laughs> and Izzy goes, Izzy, this isn't one of those things where you can stay home. You get a spanking and you'll still have to go. <laughs> I was like, you get it. Good job. Psh, psh. Oh, it's right, Izzy. <laughs> they were like, he's pretty serious. Let's put our snowsuits on. Long story short. I went down there and they, that man is a gentle, nice, nice man. He gives off a very much a grandfather vibe. We had a nice conversation about our children. He got to see my kids. I got to tell him my concerns. The land is still going to get cut. I get that. But he actually gave me more of a buffer, a couple hundred feet. And I said to him, he did not need to do that. He didn't need to do that at all. I know. He, he goes, the trees that were marked, he goes, now nah, we'll back it up. And Sprayed said, don't cut any farther than this. And, uh, right. And I said, listen, you know, for me, it's not about lumber. It's about these guys and legacy and leaving things forward. I said, please give me first buying rights when you're done. And he says, okay. And he, on two separate occasions, he said, okay. So this is very much a Joseph thing where that the land, though I loved it, I had use of it, it wasn't mine. And do you see how even, maybe this storm, this is the way that God is actually turning things over and working for good in my life? I want to remind you that it, was all, it all started when the man who wasn't supposed to sell the land a certain way did. It's very a Joseph thing. And in fact, one thing that I did out of this was explain to the kids. And that was another thing, too. When I told Alex what was going down, he got really sad. We have all these places named. I taught him how to write his name in the dirt on the corner of that property. We call it sawdust. And he used to write. And right now, it's, it's a parking lot. And he cried. I said, let me tell you a story of Joseph. And I told the story of Joseph, how even though one person was acting in their own self-interest, right, God used it for good. And so maybe that's what he's doing, Alex. But even if he's not, God is good. But I want to take things one step further um, with this. My last point here, seriously, 
I could go a whole different direction in this, but I want to, uh, yeah, I want to I just do one more thing. Let's, let's see where we're going here. I got to know that God is working for me, that he is good. Yeah, let me, let me, let me see this. Let me, let me, let me, let me cut the mustard for a minute. Or as the kids at the camp would say, slice the poo. <laughs> ah, Christian way of saying it, right? Let's slice the poo for a second. As the machines are going on all around me, they start it before, before light. As that's going on all around me and things are uncertain. I mean, things poked up, perked up a little bit Friday, but everything's uncertain. I'm now going to just rip open my chest and share with you for a second. You ready? This is the truth. This is the direction I want to head to. I am a blood-bought, born-again, fiercely loved son of the one true God. I serve the one God who's real and who's alive. I serve the same God who took a little stone and smashed an actual giant who may have been half an angel and killed him in front of people. I serve a God who, I mean, he, he, he whittled down the army so that that army could kill everybody and they would know. I serve a God who stopped the sun so that God's kids could kill the remaining army who was trying to take from them. It's true, and it wasn't even an accurate prayer. The sun didn't stand still. We didn't have a heliocentric view of the world at the time. That's who I am. I'm not Joe and Betty Beer Can down the road. And here's what's going to separate, and people, again, are not going to like this. I don't care. My father owns that woods, and doggone it, I believe that if he wants to, he's going to give it to me. And then you read things like this. How great is your goodness you've stored up for those who fear you, who trust your intentions, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge. He gives it to you in front of people who don't love him so they can see his goodness. Do you see that? How is God's goodness going to be displayed if he's not good to his kids? Right? Oh, do, oh man. If you think I'm in prosperity doctrine, y'all don't know. How can people see God's goodness if he doesn't show goodness to the world to the people who love him? I'm not everybody else. Do you get that? Yes, God is good. Yes, God is working all things for good. For me because I'm his son. That's what I'm saying. So I look at that and I watch the trees fall or you look at the negative report or the kids aren't acting right. Whatever your situation may be, don't act like everybody else with your head down. Well, things just happen. Who, who are you? The blood of Jesus Christ delivered you and brought you into his family. You talked about the sliver of God. Let's connect with that for a second. That's your dad. Get it? So yes, he's going to hand it over. Let, next slide, please. I, wanna, I want the Bible to be more offensive than me right now and it's about to be. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Is that a lie or is that a truth from Father God? Well, God doesn't. God is no respecter of man. God doesn't favor one man or another. What book are you reading? God favors his kids over his, not his kids. Do you understand that? And if you don't, we will sit here. We'll put the package game on a little thing so I can see it out of the corner of my eye. And we'll go through the Old Testament. <laughs> priorities after all listen and we'll go through the Old Testament and you'll see things that we don't like we don't like the fact that the Amalekites needed to be wiped out but why? for God's kids when have you stopped associating with get it? David had killed his ten thousands I don't like that why? you're David smarten up Sparky you're not Goliath you're David stop acting like you're not get it? I know, hey, I've not promised you anything, have I? I've promised you that God is good, that God is working for, on behalf of, I, actually, I didn't, God did. So next situation you look at, 
your relationship, whatever, the trees falling down around you, I'm going like this. Um, yeah, I'm the chosen, dude. I'm not going to act like I'm not. You look at the bills, you look at the job, whatever it may be. Whether you get it or not, you're still the chosen. Get it? And I'll tell you what, we could get Brenda up here. There, I guarantee, I guarantee that if we could probe into her, like, mind and spirit, it's just a scary place. Let's not... <laughs> A few years ago, when she was going through through breast cancer and the hair lost the whole nine, I bet you there was this tiny little, at least tiny little flame inside of her that knew darn well God had her and she was going to be fine. No matter what that looked like. That's exactly what we're talking about. I'm your daughter. You're here. Everything's going to be all right according to your definition of all right. Correct? So that's my week, man. I don't know. And again, we've had people, we've, we've had funerals in this place. We've had bad things happen. But can I tell you something? I've seen a lot more. I mean, I shouldn't have even said that because I can't really think of something where when God's been involved, it's just been bad. I can't think of one. Really, not even Aunt Betty's funeral. Aunt Betty, I'll tell you one real quick. You want to talk about not like everybody else. Aunt Betty fell out of bed one day. And remember, she was laughing about it like embarrassed. She's like, I'm a grown woman. How did I fall out of bed? But just, just for um, you know, precaution, she was in, in, in Florida, and she went and got an x-ray. Did I break a rib? No, but you got two little spots of lung cancer in there. The kind you don't catch until you're dead. We'll pop those out. They're the size of erasers. Am I right? She got to live a couple more years getting to know the God she was about to go be with for eternity. God works for good. Good. Whether you want to define it as good or not. So this is me. My story, I'm in mid-story too. I don't know. But here's what I do know. God is good. God is working for the good of myself and Alex and Izzy and Melanie, specifically in this situation. And number three, I am the chosen. It's me in that. It's not for everyone else. I receive it. I'm the bottom word. God has made me righteous. That's me, dude. And y'all can get uncomfortable with that. I'm not walking around putting my hands on Ferraris and wanting them. But I'm not going to stop the goodness of God. What did Abraham say? Let no man say that these hands have made me wealthy, have made me rich. Right? God did, yeah. He's looking to show his goodness because if he doesn't show it to us, then nobody's going to know he's good. Get it? Okay, wait, pause. Wait till baby Crosnick comes up here. And everybody in this room is going to know how good God is. Or Graceland. And if he didn't show it to them, would we see it? No. So don't you think we should expect or look for the goodness of God? Because, again, it's not even about you. Notice that? Oh, he's going to say the same thing he says every week. Yes, I do. God is going to show goodness in our relationships, in our finances, in our lives. Why? So the rest of the world can see that God is good. Right? Good. There's my proclamation over every single thing on this prayer list. Yes, that is it. Let's shut it down. He is good. What are we singing? Are we singing good father? Because that makes a lot of sense right now. Let's do that. Pre present AJ was telling past AJ. Take what you want out of that, man. Um, I don't know. That's what God's got this week, all right? Okay. Good. Let's worship, guys.